it wasn't until I'm starting this social media thing, I finally let go of that fear because I had been to hell. That opiate addiction took me through some really, really dark times. And I remember whenever I finally came out of that, I was in my mind thinking, I'll do anything, whatever it takes to not go back to that. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. And boy, I'm excited about this. I have Evan Slaughter on here. Fit to serve. If you do not know who he is, we will get into that and you should know who he is. But before that, I wanted to let you all know that this is now season four, the first episode of season four. And, you know, I think we're a couple hundred episodes in and it's pretty exciting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And uh, you're going to want to tune into this one. It's going to be great. Evan has some amazing stories and uh, is just really shedding a lot of laughter into my life and my family's life. So with that, I'll welcome you. Welcome, Evan. Super excited to have you here. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. A couple hundred episodes. That's a big deal, man. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was just looking through it. I've been doing it for three years, looking through it. And um, I think they're, like the official count's like 170-something, but there's been a bunch of special episodes yeah. and little slider episodes. And uh, it's it's just an incredible journey. When I started, I wasn't quite sure where we were going. <laughs> yeah, with hey, it. that's how and, most good things start, right? <laughs> that's well, that's right. We're going to talk about your story about that too. But yeah, it, it started with you know really focus on parenting, and now there's a just big focus on just what do guys need to be leaders. What do guys need to step up in their world, whether it's with their kids, their wife, their their community, uh, their brotherhood, whatever it is. That's what we talk about, and. You uh, you talked with my friend Jeff, yeah, and Jeff was at, at an event that I ran up in Montana, and he's like, "You got to get Evan on your podcast." I'm like, seriously, you had Evan on your podcast? <laughs> he's like, "So I'm, I did the, my little fanboy moment, right?" He's like, "Do you want me to introduce you?" I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> but you have that little moment of like, "Was well, he going to re- reject me?" I felt like I was back in middle school, <laughs> but uh, I know you you come from from humble beginnings. You're just a, just a guy out there doing the things that you're passionate about, and here we are. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I always try to remember that too, man. That's that's why it's all this success that I've had recently on social media has just been. You know, I've just been going through the motions, you know, a lot of times I've met a lot of cool people, got to hang out with a lot of people that to me are like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, but it's just been like, uh, like one blur almost, you know, like it, it feels unreal sometimes. So I definitely try to just be myself is the only advice I can give myself is just be myself, you know, and I think I can't go wrong, you know, with doing that at least. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I it's so funny how life kind of does its things, right? Like, and I was, as I was preparing for this interview, I'm like, how the hell do you get started in doing something like this? And and it was interesting because I was listening to my friend Jeff Forrest's podcast and he was, at that point, I think you said you'd just grown to 70,000 followers. And then I was look on Instagram and, I, and that wasn't too long ago. And I was looking today, I think it's over 125,000. Yeah, yeah, it is now. And, and I can't believe that I was at 70 in the seventies whenever I did it with Jeff. Cause you're right. It wasn't that long ago. So it's just been growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Yeah. What's your biggest, what's your biggest platform? I think you started kind of on Instagram and shit cross platformed it, but what, what's your biggest one? 
Well, really, I started on TikTok. That's where I first had success was making some some funny TikToks and really started to grow a following there. Um, and it's but it's Instagram's catching up. So I think it's one hundred and forty four something thousand, almost one hundred and forty five thousand on TikTok and then one hundred and twenty five thousand uh, on uh, on Instagram. And then I, I try to do my trying to get my YouTube channel going. It's just a lot of reposts right now of a lot of the same same. Uh, videos but that's kind of the next you know next step for me is try to do all, those three platforms at least tick or youtube is a whole nother beast i'm sure you know this yeah. my wife has a fitness uh a fitness channel on youtube yeah. and i have some buddies that have hit it big on youtube and you it it takes some real intentionality you know what it takes evan it probably takes being full-time doing this <laughs> yeah 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 full-time for sure i mean i couldn't imagine I'm full time doing Instagram and TikTok reels, you know, and a lot of that's because of the, you know, partners I have, sponsors. But uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, having to work a full time job and and then try to have a have a successful YouTube channel because that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is, you know, um, I, this is crazy. I was actually interviewing someone a couple of weeks ago, not for not for a podcast, for work. I'm I, for my business and. She's like, well, I want to be an influencer. I was like, hmm. Well, I'm not quite sure you start by saying I want to be an influencer, right? Yeah. Uh, did Did you ever have that like, or did you just put these out for fun? Like, really, what was the what was the precipice of this whole thing? Yeah, and I'm still, I still don't get used to the term influencer. You know, I try not to refer to myself as that just because <laughs> it you. feels cheesy, you know. <laughs> but when, but other people do because it, it's a common term, and I know what they mean by that, you know. No, but for me it it was just I've always enjoyed comedy. I've always been the type of person to make make people laugh. You know, I was always the class clown, getting in trouble as a kid for my mouth and having always having a smart aleck or you know remark to make. That was just me, you know, youngest of uh my, I've got an older brother, I'm the youngest. So it was just real, you know, it's kind of how I, how I always was and uh I didn't I didn't take it seriously at first. I was just Hey, I got this TikTok account. I'm I'm on Instagram and and Facebook just for normal social reasons, just to connect with friends. So I never really was intentional there. But the TikTok thing was a little bit different because it's not you're not really on there to connect with friends. You're on there to create content. I mean, or look at content. So I did a lot of consuming of content, and then I was like, I think I could take a shot at you know whatever's funny in my mind. Let me see if that's funny to other people and trial and error trial and error trying to figure out how to you know work the app and and trying to figure out what length of videos would be (laughs) successful there and you know and finally i had some stuff to start to do well and uh that's when i was like okay you know all i needed was one video you know to to have success and it got i think the first video that i considered having real success on on tiktok it got up to like 725,000 views or something, 800,000 views. And, and to me, I was like, that's great. You know, <laughs> that, that I did something right. right and let me, re- how do I repeat this formula? So, you know, it, it was a lot of trial and error, but that's kind of what led me. That gave me the confidence to go, all right, at least, at least some people think I'm funny. Let me see what else they find funny. Yeah, you had, <clears throat> well, I've watched your, your, your content from as far back as I can go. And it's, it's, changed. I mean, it hasn't changed. Yeah. It's just gotten more and more polished. And I, honestly, it's something I want to talk about, but I can tell that you become more and maybe I'm wrong, but it, to me, it appears you've become more and more comfortable 
with what you have to offer as you've gone along. Like you, yeah. you, you feel like you just, honestly, you feel like you've just kind of caught your stride and, um, it's, it's really exciting to watch. Have you felt like, how does that feel, that progression feel over time for you? You know, it's funny is I'll go back and watch some older videos and, and, you know, I, I try to take stuff down and leave stuff up and, you know, just, just to keep things fresh and new, but I'll go back and watch some of the stuff I first started making. And I'm like, man, that was awful. How, you know, <laughs> how did anybody find that funny? But then at the same time, I'm very appreciative of it because it was like, hey, look, I'm going to put this out there. And and like, this is what I'm coming up with. This is what I'm working hard at. I want to be creative. And you've got to fail. Like I had to I had to have those misses just to kind of tweak that content and figure out what that looks like. And I found that really now that I've kind of grown a, an audience, I'm able to go back to some of those old skits that I knew in my mind. I was like, this is good. I didn't I didn't portray it correctly through the video, but this is good. And I've kind of redone some of those and put them back out and they've had success. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's like you were saying, man, it's, it's just like polishing that process and figuring out what works and figuring out what people like and figuring out how to, but at the same time, you know, remain creative and try new things. And you're going to post some stuff you don't like. You're going to post some stuff that, that fails, you know, and then you just figure out why it failed and why, why it didn't do great. Yeah. Do you, do you believe that there is actually success without failure? I think that's impossible, right? <laughs> you know, if there is, man, that's not my experience. And that's not the experience of several people I've talked to that I know are successful. You know, it's like they've they've had to have some failures in their life for sure. So you have an interesting, you have a really interesting story. I want to pivot away from basically talking about how awesome you are because I could do that <laughs> the whole time. I don't want to fanboy the whole time because I, I really do like sincerely sincerely love your content. It literally makes me LOL. And I go and run to my family. I have, I have teenage boys and, and my wife and I'm like, you gotta check this out. And we're cracking up because my son and I have done cold plunges together about, you know, just how you do your cold plunges. You, yeah. Your skit on that was just, I, I, I couldn't even hold myself together. But um, I do want to talk about a lot of seriousness stuff because there's a lot of guys who listen to this podcast who are, all have something that I've noticed over time with men is there's a lot of what if a lot of guys will go through this. What if, and you've, you've lived several lives. You were, you know, you were in the, you were in the army, you served in Afghanistan for a year, you got injured, you, you've gone through, um, some, some pretty serious parts of your life, you know, before this and, you know, what led you, did you want to be, I would call this kind of entrepreneurial because you're, you're, you're putting stuff out, yeah. And, you know, you're, you're hoping for a monetary payout of it. Have you kind of always had this entrepreneurial, uh, like, like bend or would this just kind of happen just kind of unexpectedly? So, um, I, I feel like I've, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit most of the time cause I don't like working for other people. And I found that out <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> through, uh, through, you know, doing some civilian jobs when I got out of the military, you know, I, I was successful. I enjoyed the military. I enjoyed that environment. I was younger then. I was very good at following, you know, the structure and I liked being told what to wear, what time, you know, it took hmm. the thinking out of it for me. It was very, I was comfortable with that. I enjoyed all the different stuff I did in there. But when I got out and didn't have that anymore and I started, I, I took some civilian jobs or I say civilian jobs. I did some multifamily real estate. I did, uh, 
manager, you know, managed a uh, help help manage a plumbing company for a little while. Great jobs that I could have really built a life out of, really. And I just, uh, you know, I I couldn't thrive in that environment. You know, I was going through a lot of struggles, kind of adjusting. Getting off pain medication was a big part of my story. I struggled on and off with the opiates, and and that kind of played a role for sure in in me not thriving in those job environments. But ultimately, I was unhappy, and I didn't like you know I I just didn't I wasn't happy with what I was doing, and I had this mindset of like, all right, go to work, you know, I have to do this to survive, uh, and then when I get off work, that's whenever it's my time to live my life and. Then I realized that, well, hell, most of my life is a lot of work. Like, I'm just working all the time. You know, if I'm not happy doing this, then those little moments of freedom from the job are, you know, I can't continue to live that way. You know, so I've always been, you know, my dad owns his own business with some other some other folks. My brother's the same way. Um, so I think there's a little bit of natural entrepreneurial, you know, spirit inside of me that wants to go and, and create something and, and, and have something successful. But it's really like you're saying, this is kind of the first real attempt that I've made at doing that, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I know that, you know, monetizing content is a very interesting experience. You, um, you talk about, let's, let's dive into the, the opiate stuff for a little bit, because I don't think we would, you know, I don't, I don't, we'd be doing just justice not to kind of talk about that story. Yeah. So you, was this from being injured in the army while you were serving? So I had kind of, I've always had a, a, an addictive personality. It's, it's been in our family history. My father struggled with some alcohol and drug issues that he ended up overcoming. Uh, his dad had, you know, so it's just kind of been in the family um, so even before the military, I can't blame the addiction stuff on being injured in the military at all. Um, I was, I was always trying, I was the kid, you know, in high school that would try, try new things that, you know, smoked pot at a young age, you know, drank at a young age, um, started experimenting with pills at a young age, you know, I just always was kind of living my life that way, you know? And so even before the military, I had some struggles. But then what happened was I went into the military and kind of put all that behind me. And of course, you know, drank and did whatever in the military. Alcohol has never really been my thing. I've never really struggled with alcohol s- stuff. Um, so in the military, that was just kind of what guys did on the weekends, you know. And I, I did fine in the military. And then when I did get injured in Afghanistan, um, it was it was a valid reason for me to start taking opiates again. And what that led to was me going right back to abusing opiates. You know, opiates were the thing for me that, you know, out of all the stuff I've tried growing up or whatever, opiates were the ones that once I tried it, you know, it was, I was going to stay on it. And and that's kind of the experience I had with getting injured. You know, it's like once I got injured and now I'm getting all these prescription pain pills and I feel justified in taking them, you know, and then it got to a point where, well, really, I, you know, I'm healed. I, I, I really don't need them anymore, but in my mind, I'm I'm already down that road and, and back addicted to them. So hmm. that's what kind of led me, you know, back to, to getting hooked on it. And then, of course, getting out of the military, I remained, you know, on the opiates and battled that for years whenever I got out on and off, you know, getting some treatment here and there, got in some trouble legally from, you know, doing the doing opiates and stuff like that. So 
but I was always trying. I was always fighting, you know, like I realized it was a problem and I'm trying to fight to do something about it. It just kicked my butt a bunch of times, you know, and then finally I got to a place where I went to a treatment center and uh, I think age getting a little older too. And, and uh, you know, I had been, been gotten married and divorced and a lot of that was because the opiates issue and me not being able to be honest about that. I started losing things that really mattered to me. And uh, I was sick and tired of it. So I finally got to a place where I was really ready to surrender and start getting honest. And that was the biggest thing for me. It's like I was unable to be honest most of my life. I always used some kind of manipulation to get my way. You know, I would bend the truth. I would flat out lie, whatever. And that would work for a period of time. And I was really just lying to myself and everyone else thinking, figuring out I'm really good at justifying a lie. You know, <laughs> I can I can tell myself whatever if it means Evan gets what he wants, you know? So whenever I finally feel like I entered into a real, you know, a real life of getting recovered and being sober and looking at feeling, you know, what that looks like and and experiencing that a big part of that, which I know you talk about on your show a lot was me being vulnerable enough to be honest. And then once I started to get, and that's what they taught me at this treatment center. Once I started to get honest, like vulnerable, and then being honest, it felt so good. You know, it was so freeing. I felt like, you know, why am I doing this? Why, why am I, li- you know, I was lying to the ex-wife because I didn't want to lose her. You know, well, that led to me losing her and it made things way worse. I probably could have solved, you know, you know, maybe saved that marriage if I would have been honest. You know, I hurt relationships with my parents because I was afraid of what they would think. So I would lie to them. And I figured out, you know, that the lying, that's the problem, you know. And then once I was able to see that and get honest, dude, that led to me just like my mind going, Poo, you know, and then it, it felt like I don't really, you know, even really struggle anymore with thinking about wanting to use opiates or anything like that. Cause I don't have a need for that anymore. I don't have to use that to cover whatever it is up in my life that I'm trying to, to cover up. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, man, you, you just, you drop so many things. I am super passionate, super passionate about, the power of men getting honest yeah. and vulnerable. You know, that's, it's, I can't sell that, by the way. I can't sell right. my events on like, come and be vulnerable and tell everybody about all your problems. But there's so much freedom that occurs from stepping right in front of those and letting, what, what a good friend of mine said is like, he goes, as soon as I drop my social armor, my social armor is super shiny and polished and I look great on the outside. But when you see my real armor, it's dented and scratched and bruised and there's holes in it. But when I see guys, other, other guys, when they let down, I see all that as well. And there's this like brotherhood that's so strong. It's yeah. so strong. Did you go through some of this time of vulnerability and honesty with other men that created bonds that are, that are pretty unrelenting at this moment? moment? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was a big part of it. I always had a, there's was, there was always a couple friends in my life that just that I'd met through those years of trying to, you know, trying to get get sober and trying to find that, you know, that I met that just great guys that are still in my life today that that were there for me whenever I was finally ready to get honest. Um, And that was a big part of it. You know, I always thought, you know, talk about vulnerability and all these different things. And I always looked at that as like a weakness. And I think our society you know, has, has given it that picture, you know, I always felt like a, as a, as a male, at least I was one that was, you know, quick to fight. If somebody wronged me, I had to, I had to do something about it, right? If somebody wronged me, I'm either going to wrong them back 
or I'm going to confront them. And if I don't do that, then I would be a weak individual. That's that's my thought process right there. You know, I was always quick to fight, quick to argue, quick to stand my ground, quick to make sure I'm not being wronged. When I was out there wronging people, you know, that that were giving me forgiveness, you know, so then I through that process of, of the vulnerability and being honest and all that, it finally clicked. And I was like, and I had someone kind of tell me, it's like, man, you don't have to, you don't have to care what anybody else thinks about you in this world. That was, that was what was spoken to me. You don't have to care about what anybody else thinks about you in this world. As long as you care what God thinks about you, then you'll, all the other areas will fall in line, you know, whatever God you believe, you know, for me, that's, you know, that's a big part of it. It's like, if, if I just worry about, you know, doing good and, and, and not harming other people and doing all these things, then that's what real strength looks like for me. You know, it was always easier to, to fight. It was always easier to get into arguments. It was, that was easy. That's like Mm -hmm. a reaction. What's tough Try, try forgiving somebody, you know, try getting cut off in traffic and just giving them a pass and saying in your mind, like, you know, well, they, they must, they must have something going on. You know, there's probably something going on in their lives. I'm going to just forgive, you know, try that. It's not your first reaction. At least it's not my first reaction. It's hard as hell. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. My first reaction is blow the horn, give them the finger, you know, this, you know, (laughs) What is their problem? Who's going to, why would you do that to me? Don't you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just all that BS. But then it, it was like, I had this epiphany, you know, I was like, man, it is so much harder for me to go, you know, okay, whatever's going on with that person, whatever, man, you know, I've, I've done that to people, you know, I used to do that, or I've done that multiple times. I've cut people off. Let me give them a pass. And so I realized that for me, at least is what strength looks like. You know, Mm. that I was growing through that process. It was strengthening me. It was making my skin thicker. It was making my heart softer. It was doing all the things that made me feel better. And I found that like not having those resentments, not having that anger in my heart, not having all those things. Whenever I'm not living that way, I don't have a desire to abuse opiates or to lie to people that care about me or to harm anybody that's, you know, getting in my way, whatever. So I was like, this is a much easier way to live. And it's, it's like a selfish thing. And I'm okay with that. Like I feel better. That's why I'm choosing to, to make some changes in my life. That's amazing. I, um, I, I I work really hard because in the car, man, I am so vocal and I have, you know, a 19 year old who's often living his own life right now. And uh, I just heard, this is very interesting. I just heard that he had, he's up in Montana, a lightning strike 10 feet from him. Whoa. He called my wife and he was scared to death. I'm like, yeah, when it's lightning in the, in the woods, get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I ha- um, but when we're in the car, I'm so vocal and I, it was not too long ago. I don't remember who uh, it was, but they're like, you don't know that person may have cut you off because they are in agony and need to get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They have just found out that their son got injured in an accident or their wife is in the hospital, you know, and I, that's where I started playing these new stories in my head. I'm like, okay, they're having a really bad day and they just need some love or there's something serious going on because, and, and that's helped me forgive. Cause that's really a hard place for me yeah, to forgive. Yeah. That's helped me 
take a new a new look at kind of like what's going on. I love that you shared that. But don't you think there's a much deeper thing here? And I, and I have a I have a little insight because of your notes. I think a lot of the reasons I fought and did a lot of the things, got scrappy and had a smart mouth and did a lot of things I did is because of insecurity. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Fear. It's all, it's all fear-based, you know, for me at least. That's one thing I've learned is like I was afraid of what people would think about me if I didn't fight this person that wronged me. You know, if I'm telling a story to my buddies and, you know, someone shoved me at a bar and I didn't, I didn't fight him. I just took it and said, hey, you know, my bad man. I was ultimately afraid of what my friends would think about me. You know, I was afraid of, you know, everything for me was fear based. I was afraid of getting caught lying about struggling with the opiates things. So I continued to lie, lie, lie and covered up with lies. I was afraid to, you know, lose a marriage. I was afraid to hurt this person by telling them the truth when ultimately I was just hurting me and them worse, you know, so everything for me was fear-based for sure. What, what do you, what do you think that's from? I mean, where do you think that that came from? I mean, I've had a lot of time thinking about this because I was so gripped in fear around money and around lifestyle and around what other people would think about me. I could go in, I could go on for hours about my journey with fear. And once I started to unearth and see the, the sources of this and rewrite the story in my head, my entire life changed. I'm curious if you've kind of looked at, looked back and kind of saw like what the, what the reasoning or the catalyst for this, this overwhelming fear in all these different areas comes from. You know, I could say like, you know, I didn't have, I had a a fond childhood growing up. We never were without that. I can really remember, you know, very middle-class family. Of course there were some issues you know, with my dad and struggling with some addiction stuff. So there was some, you know, I guess less than normal things that happened in our family, especially around some some important years in high school, 15, 16, 17. My brother was 18, 19 going to college. And that was right whenever we really were struggling with getting my dad some help, that kind of stuff. So there was definitely some, you know, trauma, I guess you could say, in some of those years. But I definitely don't blame it on that. I think I think it's kind of instinctual, you know, like I always remember having a fear of, I mean, I was always worried about something. My mom's kind of the same way. So I know I get some of that from her, but I can remember in high school, senior year in high school, in my economics class, I believe it was like zero period. You know, we had a period before school really started, like 730 in the morning. It was really cool teacher. He had this poster on the wall that said, 99% of the things we worry about don't come true, right? And that's supposed to make you think, oh, well, then I don't need to worry about anything. But in my mind, I was like, well, that means I need to worry more because if I don't worry about them, then they don't fall into that 99% buffer, you know? (laughs) So that's how much I, you know, I use that story because that's literally how much I would worry about anything and everything, you know, like, what am I going to do for money? What am I going to do for this? What am I going to, you know, part of that was maybe uh, if I'm being real, you know, part of that was probably some of the security I liked when I joined the military. You know, it was a government job. You know, the military is never going to be unable to pay their employees. And at least I don't see that happening. So it was it had some security to it. But it wasn't until like and that that worry and fear just kept me prisoner my whole life. I was a slave to it because I took jobs that I didn't want to take for fear of not having any money. You know, 
I was in maybe some relationships I really shouldn't have been in because I was fear of being alone. I was, you know, and so it wasn't until, and this is, this is recent for me. This is over the past couple of years, right? As I'm starting this social media thing, I finally let go of that fear because I had been to hell, you know, that, that opiate addiction took me through some really, really dark times. And I remember whenever I finally came out of that, I was in my mind thinking, I'll do anything, whatever it takes to not go back to that. And I, I remember having this relief, like, I don't care what I don't, I'll work at McDonald's if I have to, if that means a happy life for me, if that's what it, you know, I don't, and I just stopped caring because I had been doing it the other way my whole life. And it led me to where I had been, where I had gotten to. And so that was a big part of this without jumping ahead, but that was a big part of me doing these videos. And I think starting to have some success, especially making money at it, because I was like, hey, if it doesn't make any money, whatever, you know, I'll do something else, you know. But then it was, and it was making always making enough for me to continue to do it, you know? Mm. So it was like, it clicked. I just, I don't care anymore what, you know, about being afraid about this or that in a healthy way, you know? No, I think it's incredibly healthy. There, there's a real parallel in my story, definitely not social media based, but as soon as I really, really dug into overcoming some fears and people are like, how do you overcome fears? I'm like, man, it just takes a lot of work. For me, it was like just really, I would go on these every morning, 45 minute walk. And I would say 20 minutes of it is me just asking God to relieve me from these fears. Like I yeah. am just, I knew I was a prisoner and it would come back and it would come back and it'd come back. And, and as soon as I felt like I had complete freedom is when I started to succeed in business higher than I'd ever succeeded before. I started to do, everything started to move at a different level. So it does not surprise me that when you kind of started to work through that fear and hit that, that's when everything, you know, this, this took off. How did you, how did you make space for starting to have the availability to just spend time making content? I mean, this, this wasn't monetized from the very second you start. So how did you, how did you make space for that? And I'm, I'm talking about, you're, you're talking about being, you know, financially okay. Everything's in place. Um, you know, this is time consuming coming up with content, being comedian is time consuming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was very fortunate. So I, I owned a house that I needed to sell. You know, it was the right time. The market was good. I could go crash with my parents for a little while till I got things going. You know, it was coming out of this divorce, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was like, I've got this house and uh, I don't have any money to put into it. But let me talk to a buddy of mine who's a real estate agent and see what he thinks. And he came over and he said, man, he said, I say we throw it on the market as is, and uh, let's just, if it doesn't get you what you need to get, then we'll uh, we'll take it off. I was like, okay, that sounds good. And man, we put it on the market, and and he was, he's a good buddy of mine, really great at, at his job, you know, and uh, we had like 10 offers right then, and, cool. and it ended up selling for the highest any home has sold on that street, and I didn't do anything to it. And it needed, you know, it needed pain, it needed some carpet in the bedrooms and it needed a few things, you know, but, uh, so anyways, I was super blessed there. I was able to pay off some debts I had, and then I had some money to, to, uh, live off of for a little bit. And I remember thinking, I was like, all right, this is my chance right here. 
I'm probably not going to get another chance like this. You know, I've got, I've, I've, I've got, you know, no, no debt at this point in my life, paid everything off. That was the first thing I did with the money. And I was like, now I've got some, some time here, at least maybe five or six months where I can survive or, you know, live and pursue the video thing. I was like, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go after it. I mean, I don't get another chance at this. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, you took, this is the thing. Like if you, if you had just analyzed and done all the, like counted out, well, how long can I live on this money? And if this happens and this happens, it sounds like you just kind of went for it. Like this is my opportunity. This is, I'm going all in. And that's, that's where the freedom from, from fear really helps. (laughs) Like it's like time to go. It's time to go. So a lot of your content, I'm going to shift gears here. I love your story. I love where you came from. I think there's a real, a real realness to it, right? Yeah. Where uh, a lot of people can relate. And man, I didn't know a lot of this until I started listening to the podcast you were just recently on with Jeff. First of all, I want you to share your fit to serve story. Like why fit to serve? Because you you just shared that. I don't know if it was a couple of weeks ago or if you're doing a, re- a repeat on that. But I was just like, honestly, I was really moved by it. Yeah, because it really spoke to a different level of me uh, coming from a place where I'd always felt inferior. Right. And as soon as I realized that um, I have the way I am right now, who I am right now, the who I am, the most authentic self me, when I operate in that place, I have the most to give others. And I think that's a lot about what you're talking about. But share that story, because I think it's incredibly, incredibly important kind of understanding what your your username is. Yeah, uh, for sure. on, On the handles. So the fit to serve really came from whenever I uh, first kind of got out of the military, I was looking for something to do. I'd been in the fitness industry for a little while prior to the military, and I always kind of felt some passion to that. Um, And so I wanted to start this workout group. A lot of people don't know this part of it, but I wanted to start this workout group where it was free. We would meet up on Saturdays. Anybody could come. I don't care if you're, you know, a kid old, you know, old enough to work out or whatever with your parents, male, female. We had a handicapped person. You know, it didn't matter. I was just come out and and we'll find something for you to do. Let's exercise. And and I named it Fit to Serve because my initial thought was in order to be of service to other people in this world, we've got to have some fitness to us. You know, we've got to be physically fit in some aspect to be able to go out and serve. That was my mindset originally. So I started this workout group and uh, it was fun. We, we lasted a, not, not as long as I'd like to. I just, uh, I started working again and didn't have, you know, and just the one thing led to another. And uh, so anyways, I just kept the username. Um, and I just kept it as my Instagram handle and all that kind of stuff, but there was always some meaning to that username to me. And so as I got back into making comedy videos and, um, I started thinking about like fit to serve, it kind of took on a new purpose for me because I was, I was realizing that, Hey, some people aren't physically capable to, to go and serve in the aspect that I originally meant it for. But that doesn't mean that they can't be of service, you know. That doesn't mean that they can't serve out some kind of purpose in their life. And so I started thinking about fit to serve more in my own life and what that meant. And for me, it was finding a purpose. You know, I whenever I, I finally got to a place in my life where I was ready to make a change and start doing things real and, and talk about that vulnerability we, we were talking about, talking about that honesty we were talking about, like really, truly living it out, I realized that 
what I was missing in my life before was a real purpose. And so I feel like we're all kind of born, not kind of, I feel like we're all born with some kind of purpose. You know, I've met people that are really good at being school teachers. You know, they love it. They enjoy their job. They're great with kids. They're blah, blah. You know, that ain't me. Put me in a classroom with a bunch of screaming third graders. I won't last a day. You know what I mean? And in the same way with fitness coaches and people that, you know, they just have this passion, this natural gift. It's a purpose in my in my mind, you know. So I started when I started doing this comedy thing and I was making some people laugh through it. And people were messaging me and saying, hey, I was having a really tough day and your videos brightened my day. You know, I got a laugh out of it. I started realizing I was like, hey, there's something to this comedy thing. There's something to this laughter thing. I started thinking about my own life. Like I have laughed my way out of some really dark times and uh, whether it be deployed in Afghanistan and, and, you know, you don't have much to laugh about, but you and your buddies kind of circle up and y'all tell a funny story or whatever that happened. And you're laughing in a place where, you know, you could die any minute, you know, losing, you know, whatever. So it's same thing with, with, you know, some treatment centers I've been in, you know, you just got your butt kicked out there in the world. And, and now you're in this place with a group of guys you don't know, and you're all kind of struggling to recover from some of the similar things, addiction, whatever. And you find a way to laugh and that gets you through a lot. of. So I could, I could relate to that. And it made me start thinking, well, maybe my purpose is to bring some laughter to people's lives. And maybe it doesn't have to just be, you know, crude humor that serves no real purpose that, you know, it's just meant to, to you know, hurt other people. That was kind of what I, I used to use comedy for. I was really good at putting other people down. So if someone said something to me, I had, I had remarks that I could use that laughter to hurt people. And I could do it in a group scenario where friends are around and I'm making fun of this person in order to, to make myself look good. So I realized that I can use this comedy for some good, you know, um, and maybe that's the purpose. Maybe that's my my calling here. So I started playing around with that fit to serve idea and, and it just hit me. It's like, man, we're all, you know, we all have some kind of purpose. We're all fit to serve other people through some kind of purpose. And so that's really what it's developed into. And that's, I think for me, the, the mission statement, that's the definition I give whenever I really think about fit to serve. It's like it, it went from one thing in my mind and it kind of through some experiences developed into what I believe it really means now. I love that, how it's changed over time because it just, it makes sense. And it shows your, the way that you've pivoted and the way that you've, you've changed. You haven't pivoted away, but you just pivoted in, in an, an, in a new way. And I, I heard that and it made me think that a lot of people who don't live up to their potential never believe in themselves. Like it, it really is like you have something in you, you are fit to serve in some way or fashion. And service is where I found success in business. If I go after helping somebody win and it, like the monetary stuff, like whatever, if I kind of put that on the background and I was like, I just want this person to win, everything seems to work really well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a really great equation. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the movement to monetize because you, you do, you know, as you do things on Instagram, as my son has found out who is, I don't know, he's got, he had like 80,000 followers on his, or TikTok in like 35 days. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, but, uh, he, um, 
he, you know, he's like showing me screenshots of getting paid. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. But you've recently pivoted. I don't know how long ago, but you, you have, you have sponsors now. And so they're paying you to basically do shout outs of their product. And I, I'm pretty critical. I'm a watcher. Like yeah. I'm not critical. I'm, I just watch really carefully. And here's something I want to, I want to tell you that I really appreciate, but I, I have a question behind it. Okay. I really appreciate that you can stay really true to your style of comedy and it's you, everything seems super authentic, even though there's like someone saying, Hey, please give my product a shout out, which this is how businesses work. You guys, this is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. And, but like even the coffee one you just did, or that I just watched the other day, the one where, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> where you, where you, you crush the coffee beans on the ground and then in the Kleenex and then, you know, put them in your cheek. Like it was, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. This is so freaking hilarious. But, um, how was that pivot from going from just, see, look, I'm crying. This is stupid. <laughs> this is so freaking funny. Um, and I've tried eating <laughs> coffee beans before. So I was just rolling when I saw you doing it. Um, how do you go from like, hey, this is my content. This is what I do. This is just something that I'm thinking of naturally, you know, and now someone's saying, hey, here's some money. Do something funny with it. Has that been a hard transition for you? You know, not really because the the brands that I've been able to, you know, bless to work with have all been, when when we had the conversation about working together, They've always been like, hey, look, I love what you do. I love your style of comedy. I don't want to change a thing about what you're doing, you know? And that for me is very comforting because it says like they like, they like the con, you know, the content. They're not here to make me do something that I'm not comfortable doing because for me, that's when it isn't funny. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I think what people find funny that I make is stuff that I'm comfortable making because I believe it's funny. It's like, you know, I, I, it's just my way of doing it. So that's, that's been a, a huge thing for me is I don't really work with anybody that, that isn't on the same page about that. You know, that that's been number one for me. And so whenever I go to make these videos, like I'm thinking in my mind and I always explain to my goal, I'm not here to sell your product. If you, if you want me to sell your product, don't hire me because I can't guarantee that I'm going to sell your product. What I can try to do for you is make a video that gets a bunch of views and goes viral. You know, mm-hmm. I think I can u- incorporate your product into some of my comedy videos that tend to do well and get your product and your page as a collab with me in front of, you know, as many views as we can get. Now, I did one for RX Smart Gear recently with the jump rope that's got like 3.2 million views right now. <laughs> You know, so I, have I tell them those, like, by the way. That, <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I'm, and I know it's sold some jump ropes for them, oh, but yeah, my I'm thing sure. was, if it sells none, don't come at me, you know, because I'm going to, I'm going to put your, you know, I'm going to make this video. Hopefully it does well. They don't all do that well, but hopefully it does well. And that's going to get people going, who's this company he's making this video with. And when they come to your page, that's your time to sell them the jump rope. You know, that's right. <laughs> so that's, that's right. how I try to explain it, you know, to businesses. And I'm saying, like, if you're if you're really wanting me to, you know, sell your product for you, I'm not the right guy to hire, you know. So having those honest conversations that goes right back to honesty, being honest about what I think I can offer these these companies um, is is plays a big role in those relationships for me. 
Do you say no to anybody? I have said no a, a few times. Um, you don't have to say who because that, that would be really rude. No, most <laughs> of them are, are, you know, you get a lot of uh, just emails kind of randomly coming in from folks. And, and sometimes, you know, it's just a product that just doesn't make sense for me to work with, you know. And, and so I have had to kind of say no. Usually what I'll do in those instances, instead of saying no, is just come up with a price that's outrageous and see go. if they want to pay it. And then I can get on board. <laughs> I had a business I'll do it, but really- I'm going to need $100,000, man. <laughs> Usually they say no to me, and then I'm not yeah. the bad guy. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I had a business partner that used to do that. He's like, if I don't like him, I, I just tell him like this one thing that would normally cost 500 bucks is 10 K. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say it with a clear face. Yeah. And if they give me any money, then we'll make it happen. But yeah. other than that, I'm not dealing That's with it. But thing. it sounds to, to me like you're, you're aligning on values as well. Like your values have yeah. to match the company values and what the outcome is. I love that. And I think that's a, a really good key to success in life. Yeah. Like make all your decisions, values-based decisions. Like, yes, I can stand behind that product and it fits inside of my belief system or what I'm trying to portray. Why CrossFit? Why why cross? First of all, I think it provides an incredible amount of really fun content. Yeah, Um, it does. Yeah. (laughs) CrossFit for me was, uh, so, you know, I kind of started dabbling into some fitness videos because I've got a fitness background. I've, you know, that's another thing a lot of people don't realize is that before I I gained weight and I gained weight just kind of getting out of working out and, and, you know, going through all that stuff that we discussed. And I kind of found some comfort in eating whenever I got off the opiates, you know, I I found comfort in food and realized that that can be a problem, you know, so I just gained some weight and, but I, but I've got a fitness background, you know? And so I was starting to make some of these videos that were doing well, like your friend that just started working out and blah, blah, blah. And then I just, one day hit, hit a, hit a CrossFit video because really my brother had kind of started doing CrossFit with some of his friends in Tennessee and he's older brother. He's gotten into it, you know, him and he's got a group of friends that, that do it. You know, he was telling me all about it and I've known about CrossFit, you know, and so it was just kind of caped in my mind. It's like, I'm going to do a, your friend that just started doing CrossFit video. Cause he was literally like telling me all the things he's buying the bag. He's got the, you know, he's getting all into it. And so I was like, I'm just going to do a funny one kind of about that. And it started to do really well. The CrossFit community and the audience has loved it. They uh, are all about it. And now I'm actually doing uh, CrossFit myself to try to get back oh, in good shape. For you, man. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's led to a lot of really cool opportunities. I, I got to work with a lot of cool CrossFit companies like RX Smart Gear and Ice Barrel. Mm-hmm. And they're actually bringing me to the CrossFit Games. It's the first week in August. <laughs> so. That's I've rad. made a video with Ice Barrel that they're supposed to play at the CrossFit Games, so it'll be cool. I'm gonna spend the whole week out there hanging out, and so it's become a big part of my life. And my my brother, <laughs> he's kind of jokes around about it because he's you know <laughs> he just started it. He was the one like telling me you got to try the CrossFit, man. You got to get into it. He's been going, and and I make like one video and people come up to him at the gym like is your brother the guy that makes those crossfit videos (laughs) and now i'm like going to the crossfit games and he's in way better shape than me and like been busting his butt at crossfit and i'm just like it's awesome it's funny it was funny how it turned out well if you meet people you'll i i undoubtedly know you'll meet people i know um a lot of my friends go it's 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 a lot of them are in the industry so been with crossfit in the crossfit world for many many years and i just found that that stuff just obviously incredibly funny and the ice bath stuff 
Yeah. <laughs> just like I just do my elbow. I don't know. I can't do it any justice. I don't even want to try, but um, it's just stuff, it's stuff we can all re- relate with. And yeah. um, AMRAP, as many uh, or as much rest as possible, is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> or, I think that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. We you even have, have shirt. shirts it's, out now that have AMRAP as much rest as possible on it. So, okay. People, are you selling? Are you are you selling swag? Are you selling? Yeah, yeah. We brand? got a little link uh, okay. in my bio that's got some merch. Oh. Actually, this is one of them. Chalk up. <laughs> that came from uh, <laughs> just some funny, you know, in the videos where I'm like using oh, yeah. the chalk excessively. Oh. <laughs> so when I owned my CrossFit gym, like that is. I, I would get so mad because yeah. I had like an impeccably clean CrossFit gym <laughs> and I was like, stop putting chalk everywhere. <laughs> and I see that video and I just, it just takes me back to when I get used to be so frustrated about it. And now I just like embrace it and yeah. love it. And, yeah. and, and, um, there's just so much re- to relate to it. And now you're doing this pickleball thing, which is like the fastest growing sport, yeah. I think in the U S. Um, and are you actually do pickleball? Yeah, I love it. Pickleball is, I, I started playing and, uh, some friends introduced it to me and, uh, kind of fell in love with the sport. I grew up playing racquetball with my dad and brother and he was, my dad was a big racquetball guy. So I was always interested in the racket, you know, paddle sports. And, uh, mm-hmm. so once I played the first time, it was just so much fun and a, and a good way to stay in shape moving and, you know, good cardio exercise. And so it kind of was like the same thing for the CrossFit. Like I just, was actually started doing it and, and uh, playing some and learning about it and then make a video that takes off. And next thing I know, I'm making all these, you know, pickleball videos for these different companies. That's, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I walk by pickleballers every morning and, and uh, it, it looks fun. I've, I've, I've hit, I've hit the ball around a little bit with my family. It was a lot of fun, but uh, I just, it's, it's just a blast to see you doing this stuff. I, I have some friends in um, in Birmingham who own CrossFit gyms, so I'll have to find out where you go later. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, there's some incredible gyms around there. But um, what's next, man? I mean, you're just putting this great content out. I'm loving it. I I share it as much as I can, and I just want to thank you personally for bringing. I don't laugh at a lot, and I, yeah. it's really not good. My wife laughs at everything. Yeah, and when I find something that I laugh at, like it it just brings in a, a completely different mood to the day. And, um, I, you may take this, I hope you don't take this wrong. Like I'm going out on a limb here. My favorite comedian is Chris Farley. Yeah. And you have that, that ability to be compl- what it comes off as you're completely comfortable with yourself. I don't think he was, but you're completely comfortable with yourself and, and, I, I, that's the closest description I can say. And I think that's like the biggest compliment in the world for a comedian. Like for me, oh, for yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, totally. I get that a few, uh, uh, every now and then. And it's a huge, okay. for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Was always a huge Chris Farley fan. So that's definitely like when people say that, I'm like, there's, there's no way I compete with that legend at all. But, uh, it's, it's definitely a big compliment in my book. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the the vulnerability and telling us the hard stuff you've gone through. I mean, I know divorce is like can rip you apart. I mean, yeah. just personally and drug abuse. And then, you know, growing up in a family where your dad is dealing with some, some addiction. And I know a lot of my listeners have gone through a lot of the stuff or been in families like you and kind of just need to see that 
uh, we need to chase our dreams. Yeah. Like don't live a what if life, you know, do what Evan's done, find an opportunity and just go, just go. So what's up for the future? What's your plans? You just kind of keep on keeping and, and, and just, I mean, have you thought of that? Does it scare you? Does it excite you? Yeah. You know, a little bit of both. I, I try not to let it bother me. You know, I try to think of the, uh, I have been blessed to just continue to get these great opportunities. Um, and, and that's been one of the things for me that I've tried to do is like, I'm going to say yes as, as much as I can to, to these opportunities while I can. That's one thing about, you know, it's nice that I'm single and have no kids right now because I wouldn't be able to travel the way I, I'm traveling. You know, so I look at it as a blessing and I'm just trying to say yes to all the opportunities. But I definitely have some plans to on how I can make this continue to 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 be a thing and I, and for me that's the youtube deal you know I, i'm going to yeah. try to i'm still figuring that out you know it's going to take that's the thing about it is i've got a guy that that works with me on the camera stuff sometimes so it'll take it'll involve bringing him in a little bit more and you know you know the effort that goes into i'm sure to making a, an actual youtube channel cuz it ain't you're not you can't get away with just 60 and 90 second videos to really grow a youtube channel so I'm going to see what that looks like and see uh, whether it's one episode a week or two episodes a week or whatever, and just kind of have have more of, you know, dive into my life a little bit more, kind of follow me around through this journey when I do some of the traveling, do some of the shoots and just keep it funny and fresh and interesting and let people see the the side of it that you don't usually get to see the content creation and just kind of make it a platform where we can discuss stuff like we've done here. And so anyways, that's that's, that's awesome. the the next move i'm still trying to figure that out but what i i'll have to do it as things slow down i think with some of these deals i got going because it's just right now there's just no way but that's that's the future is what i see right that's exciting that's really exciting and i you know it's it's kind of embrace the journey wherever yeah, it takes you right for sure and just enjoy it and i'm i'm along for the journey i cool. want to know everything you're doing I, I appreciate you and and like i said when i put out a post it was like Oh my gosh, that guy, I watch him every single day. And so I hated the fanboy, but I think it's really incredibly important for you to understand if you're not being told how impactful you are on people's days. And, you know, brotherhood of father here, it didn't have you to come here to talk about being a dad or what it was like having your dad or anything. I came to have you come in encouragement to go do the things that they really want to do. Yeah. And I think that's the, it's just an incredibly strong message. And I appreciate you so much for being honest and vulnerable. And like I said, a huge fan. I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep paying attention. Cannot wait. And I'd just like to encourage you from who I am to you is just keep following that. Is it, I, I know it's, it's got big things. It may seem huge right now, but I think it's got big things in the future. So also, well, I really brother. appreciate that for sure, man. So people can help by following you on fit to serve on one of your platforms. What's your preferred platform? So I, I guess Instagram <laughs> right now, yeah, it's definitely something you have to think about. It used to be TikTok, but Instagram is uh, is for sure, I guess, the preferred one. But it's, yeah, it's fit, the number two, serve, the number one on Instagram. So fit to serve one on Instagram and uh, fit to serve on TikTok. But if you search fit to serve, usually you'll see my profile picture with the up. glasses pop up. So <laughs> yeah. I try to use you that across all platforms. So <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Find. It's a good one. So guys, just do do me a solid and go follow Evan, watch his stuff, share his stuff, and then be paying attention to when the YouTube stuff starts to hit. And if you're, a lot of you, you're going to hear this like 
the week or before or two weeks before the CrossFit Games, go find Evan, say, hey, yeah, give Ice sure. Barrel a shout out as he's representing them. Um, they're doing some cool stuff. So I appreciate you so much, brother. Thank you for spending an hour of your life with me. That means a lot to me and, and my audience. Man, I'm honored to be a, be a guest on your podcast here and enjoyed having the conversation with you for sure. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.